Good evening, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Moving Passion Radio Show. I'm your host, Juanita Gaynor, and I definitely want to welcome you to tonight's show. Um, tonight, we are going to round out the series, The Art of Distraction, and we are going to be discussing bad alliances. And that's what I did. I said bad alliances. But what, before we go into the meat of bad alliances and their series in a whole, we just want to pray for those who have been sick, who have, are going through some physical ailments, who are going through mental you know, issues. There has been a lot that has been going on in the past week or so. And so we definitely want to just open today's show in prayer. You know, so for those who are all listening and will listen on the replay, um, Lord Jesus, you are the master of life and death, and everything we have is yours. We love you deeply. Just one touch from you will restore the sick, heal the brokenhearted, and transform darkness. And only you can do this, only you. So I ask you that you be with our listeners on this evening, right now, those who are listening live, those who are listening on the replay, may they sense your presence. May they feel your power. May they know your love. May their body be overwhelmed with light and truth, with healing and wellness, just as it was in the beginning, as you first intended us to be. May they be restored. I'm asking for your healing for their body this evening for their mind and for their soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Thank you that you've overcome this world, that you hold all of heaven and earth in your loving hands, and that you've given us the promise of eternity and the promise of wholeness in our hearts forever. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. Amen, amen. So, Let's get nicely into this. Today's scripture is pulling out of Isaiah 31 and 2. Woe is to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, whom go down to Egypt without consulting me who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. I am going to, I said this the first week, I'm going to say this the second week. If he can't destroy you, he'll distract you. If he can't convince you, he'll divert your attention. If he can't lead you to moral failure, he'll get your focus misaligned. Distraction is one of the very most effective tools of Satan. And distraction is a multifaceted tool that has three major schemes of it, which is lies, temptation, and manipulation. So the first week we discussed Satan's playbook and decoding it. And we went into the detail about the schemes and the the sliminess he uses to kind of get us off track. And last week, we talked about 
are you ready for battle? And it was putting on the whole armor of God, being completely covered and surrounded in his word so that you could be ready for this spiritual battle in which we're about to embark upon. Now, tonight, we are going to talk about bad alliances. You can know the enemy's playbook. You can have it decoded down to a science. You can have on the hull and full armor of God and be fully, you know, red. But if you misalign yourself with someone or something, it throws all of it out the window. So let's understand what the word alliance means. Alliance, the word alliance is a noun, and it has several definitions. But the two that I like the most that really talks to what we're talking about is one is a bond or connection between families, states, parties, or individuals. And the other definition is an association to further common interests of the members. Other words that are used for alliance is accord, convention, covenant, pact, or a treaty. Now, are you considering alliance? Or have you already entered into one? As a foremost business person, I will be using a business reference because this happens a lot for believers who are also business owners. You know, have you really ever thought about entering into or have you entered into a relationship, a business relationship with someone you knew you wasn't supposed to? You know, are you using this reason to justify your decision? If I can't get accomplished within my means, why not partner with someone who has more than I do? The last I thought, you partnered with Jesus. If you work it out with him, he's got more than everybody you're trying to partner with. But I digress because I was this person at one point. You know, another common, common reason that people used to justify, and particularly myself, I used to justify At least I know it can happen with them in the picture. Well, the problem is is that many times God doesn't want other people in the mix because having them in the mix will blind us to his vision and we will get off track making the journey longer than what was originally planned. Oh, I was the queen of this. I was always, okay, I know that if I partner with so-and-so and if we get, if I let them do the money and we get into this and we do that, I know that, you know, I can make this amount of money um, and we can do it in this amount of time. I used to do it all the time, all the time. And so one day it became such a devastation, and then I lost so much that there was no recovering. And then I literally watched a business basically be taken from me by someone who I thought was a partner, by someone who I thought had my best interest, by someone who I thought would never stab me in the back. 
when God calls us to walk in faith, you know, we can expect to be tested in this walk. Now, if we enter into alliances that God has not ordained, it will only bring heartache. You know, beware that what you perceive as an alliance that may advance your business, your ministry, your foundation, um, just even community activities. It may actually bring you greater distress if God did not direct you. Now, let me help you understand truly what a bad alliance is. A bad alliance is anything that God has not ordained. And I know that's difficult. It was difficult for me because I was just like, well, you know, God gave me, he told me what he wanted me to do, so if I happen to bring some people on board to help out with the vision, then it should be okay, right? It should be. However, it's not. Because sometimes when God gives us things, it doesn't mean for us to go run and tell it or fully execute it out. Like I said a few shows ago, God used to just give me things piecemeal because I would run with it and have it already planned out from beginning to end, laid out, and I've already I've missed key points from him because now I am focusing on the end point. And see, so therefore he's like, nope, I'm going to give you what you need and move forward. Now, it's different when I'm working with other people in their vision and I see he gives me everything and he gives me the tools to help lay it out, to scale it, to make sure that it's in line and that they can do all the things that they need to do. There's a difference. But in mine, in my day-to-day walk and what he has given me, I've had to learn to wait on him and to seek him only. And so that means I can't partner with anyone and everyone. That means every time that something comes my way or it looks appealing, what I do instantly now is go into prayer. And I can honestly say that every step that has been happening in my life the last year has been something I've always gone to him in prayer with. You know, because I realized and has lost, I realized that him being in tune with what he wanted for me was so much more important than me trying to get to that next level. Because if I get to the next level without him, I got to stay outside of him to continue it and maintain that level. I'll say this. Whatever you, do, whatever you do outside of God to get to a certain level, to get a certain thing, to, to obtain something, you have to stay outside of him to maintain it. And I got tired of that because, like I said, God is not going to push himself on you. He is not going to pressure you. He has given us this thing called free will. Sometimes I wish he would just put me in a headlock and be like, this is what you're going to do. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. But most of the time he's like, I'm just going to see how long it's going to take you to get your act together. 
to move it out, to to do what I need you to do before I ha- before you suffer some consequences that it may take you too long to get out of, and I need you to be what you're supposed to be. I need you to be in line when you're supposed to be in line. So I can't have you partnering up with people just because you feel that it can be faster. When you think of God's word, if anyone, if you're listening, I definitely want you to definitely read the book of Ezra. Um, A lot of this we're going to be focusing on Ezra 9 and 10. Um, Because God's word has so much to say about what we need to do to be among people of like precious faith. You know, when it comes to the wrong fellowship, the wrong partnership, the wrong networking. Now, we are not to practice, you know, being isolated, you know. And what I'm saying is that we sometimes we use that particular, you know, line of we need to be with like people and like people of faith to the point where you isolate yourself from people who could glean from your knowledge and your experience and it will help them in their walk with Christ. So when he's saying to, you know, be with like-minded, he's not saying to isolate yourself in a clique with all your little friends, you know, I, we had them growing up in church. We had our little church click this. They click, click, click. And it didn't make any benefit, and it only isolated people. That is not what he wants us to do, you know. God wants us to be influencers instead of being influenced. We should be able to speak. We should be able to move things. Things should be able to happen based on the influence that is within us because we follow him. Not because, you know, we've been influenced by someone else. You know, and it's true, we fall into either one or the other category. We're either the influencers or we influenced. Now, when you read the book of Ezra, and Ezra had arrived at Israel with a, a group of Babylonian exiles, and Ezra was very effective at teaching law, initiating reforms, you know, guiding people in rebuilding um, and the, the Hebrew bureaucracy upon, you know, spiritual and physical foundations of, you know, Israel's experience in God's, as God's chosen nation. And I love this book because I identify with Ezra a lot because that is part of my gift. It is, you know, initiating the reforms and guiding and rebuilding and helping people scale out ministries and thought processes. So I get exactly what probably his mind was going through when he was going through this process. You know, in chapter 9, he had, Ezra has been given, you know, the golden silver to rebuild the Lord's house. But upon his return, he is, you know, greeted with just some devastating news. Basically, God's people had blatantly disobeyed his commands. And that can be devastating. You think about it. 
you know, you're, you've left someone in charge to handle things and to make sure things are overseen, and you're out doing the work of the ministry, and you're out building, and you're doing what God is telling you to do and needs you to do, and you come back. And not only are things in shambles, but the people that you entrusted have allied with people that do not have God in mind, and the only thing they were looking for is what they can get and what they can grab and what they can devour from the partnership. You know, basically, you know, they willfully delivered themselves into captivity, you know. And in verse 2 of um, chapter 9, Ezra says that the officials and the chief men were the foremost in the wicked act in direct violation of God's will. And sometimes when we do alliances and sometimes we, you feel that, okay, we can partner with, this, some, with somebody because we don't have the skill set or we don't have what it takes to get this to the next level. And sometimes it's just a matter of you don't want to be patient and do the work that's required. Now, that may not be you, but I was a very impatient person. Like, I could help someone else build their stuff, and I could take all the patients in the world and talk them through and calm them down and just guide them. But when it came to my own stuff, I wanted it now. I wanted it right now, and so therefore, when I got my mind wrapped around it, I wanted to do something right now, I started looking at, well, who could I partner with? Who is going to, you know, allow me this easy transition? And sometimes when we do that, we neglect to really think about what partnering with someone outside of God's will really does to us, how it really damages what we have. And see, I learned that being outside of his will and partnering with people, that people in situations that he did not ordain, I had no control. You know, when you align with someone else, you lose a degree of control over one way or other, like how they perceive this is going to go, what is the influence, especially if they are a principal investor. You know, and you've given it and you've laid basically out your whole vision out to them. You are at their mercy. You know, just think about it. You're not responsible for what goes on in your own business, your own ministry. You now just have to sit there and watch because you partnered with someone who had this specific expertise or kind of had a similar business or ministry, and all you can do is you just the name of it because you can't control who you hire, who you fire. You can't control what type of information is disseminated. You're not controlling packaging. You're not controlling perception. You know, if there's a bad experience, it's going to be reflected still back on you. 
because even though you're the face of it, and yes, it's your business or your ministry, because you didn't have, you don't have any control behind the scenes. If anything goes bad, it's looking at you. They're not looking at the silent behind the scenes partner that you've worked with. Creating alliances outside of God will always give you unequal benefit. I don't care how how your contract is vetted. You know, yes, it's great if you're going to build any type of alliance to have an awesome ironclad contract. It spells out everything. That's wonderful. But if it's outside of God, it will never be equal. It will never be equal. You will always be the biggest loser when it comes to that alliance. Because, again, whatever you go outside of God to get something, you have to stay outside of him to keep it. You don't win no way. Because in essence, it's just like you turn your back on God. And I know that may be harsh for someone, but it's the truth. When you've decided not to seek him or listen to him about a particular venture or a particular alliance, and you do it anyways, You've literally said, I got this, I don't need you, and I'm going to do this on my own. Also, what happens when you seek out these alliances? My grandmother used to say something when I was younger, and I didn't understand it then, but of course I understand it now. She said, birds of a feather flock together. And I would always say when I asked to go with somebody or I asked to do something, she was like, oh, so you're doing, you doing what they do now? Oh, so you, you hang out like that and you do these things? And I was like, no, they're just my friends, and, you know, why can't I go out with them? I understand that perception because it took some years to ward off what people thought of me based on who I used to hang with or who I chose to align myself with. And that, just trying to just maneuver that is hard because you may have never done anything, but you they'll always know that you used to hang out with so-and-so and so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that, so you must did it too because you hung out with them. You know, Again, you when you do something out of God's will, you open yourself up to be judged based on the actions of your alliance partner, regardless whether you actually use this, their particular service, or you even or even in the line or even have anything in their day to day business. So, let's use something like um, a nail salon, for instance. You know, if the nail salon you're aligned with is closed down by the health department because of unsanitary conditions, the fact that you have an alliance with them can tarnish your reputation by association. Even if you run the cleanest salon in town and even by customers who won't, you know, there'll be customers that won't patronize it. Even though the nail salon's mistakes have nothing to do with you, the alliance bands you together in the minds of consumers. 
So never ever think that, oh, well, you know, I can partner with this somebody and what they do doesn't affect me. That's not how it goes. That is definitely not how it goes. So quick story. I love my quick stories. Go ahead gave me this great vision for uh, a business venture. And at the time, I was just, you know, scared. I still hadn't really, you know, kind of found my way. And I was just like, you know what, Lord, like I don't really know what to do with this, but, oh, I can part. I know the perfect person that I can partner with that we can get this off the ground. And I know initially when we started, it just was everything was falling through, nothing was working, you know, the calls were returned, the person reneged several times. And what I didn't understand that this was God's way of trying to get me to realize that this wasn't what he wanted. Like he was literally, it was falling apart, and I kept pushing because I'm trying to, you know, scale this up and get this done in the most effective way so that we can all be making that money. You know, and so finally the person came around, okay, we did it, we did the contracts and stuff like that. Now, mind you, I'm an accountant and I have other businesses, so the the contract was ironclad. Trust me when I tell you that the contract was ironclad. So we begin to work out, you know, the ins and outs, things that are needed, begin to see what we needed to scale the business, what we needed to market the business, you know, to do product and everything. And then they just decided, you know what, I just want to be a silent partner. Uh, I'll give you the money, but I really don't want to have anything to do with the day-to-day and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I didn't see this as a red flag. I kind of can be a loner sometimes, and I really kind of want to do things that I want to do when I want to do it. So I'm busting my behind. I am getting this. I'm scaling it really good. And I'm thinking because I am doing all this work and I'm hustling and as things are happening, I really have fooled myself into thinking that God was blessing me, that every time, you know, we got the big client or every time we was able to obtain, you know, larger and larger contracts, I'm really thinking that, you know, this is God. And so I'm still moving along as if it is. And then, Something crazy happened, and I can't say in specific details, but, so you know, the police became involved, FBI became involved, and because I had a partnership, so it was an alliance with this person, I am now potentially on the hook for stuff that had nothing to do with this business, but because we were considered business partners, in the eyes of the law, they didn't separate it with just this business. They thought we were partners throughout everything. And so hundreds of thousands, thousands of dollars in legal, you know, debt, and years later, I had to now, I was given a choice. It was either... I completely walk away from the business, everything, or I could face my own charges because 
they would feel, they felt that I would be complicit, you know, in what this person had done. And I literally wanted to cry. Of course, the first thing I did was like, you know what? You can have it. You can have it. It's a done deal. It's a wipe. Tell me what you need me to do. I will shut it down. And it took thousands of dollars and the attorneys or whatever, and that business is shut down, never to ever be mentioned again, to never, ever come to life again. And I remember that night, you know, when everything was finally said and done, I went home and I just cried because I felt so worthless. I felt so useless and so disappointed in myself because it was just like I failed. But then when I thought of the magnitude of it, of how I was failing, how I failed, is not only did I fail myself, I failed God. Because the vision that he gave me, I just squandered away. I squandered it away. And now who it was supposed to serve, how it was supposed to serve is no more. Now, not to say that he doesn't reassign and rework, but that particular vision was meant to be deliverance for a group of people or just one person. And because of my greed and because of I was out of order, I caused someone to lose that vision or lose that sight or lose what was going to be their help to get to the next level because of my disobedience. And so what I had to do to, because, again, I had been so far outside of him, I'm thinking that, you know, this is God and he's blessing, but I really wasn't. I was so far outside of him. And because of my obedience and because I said, you know what, just let it go, and I was quick with it. I didn't want to lose anything else. I already felt, you know, bad that I lost the business and, you know, yeah, people yeah, people working for us, you know, people, you know, losing their jobs and, you know, their stability and their benefits, all because I decided to go outside of God's will, you know. Now, you can recover from bad alliances. You can. Because one, you just, when you're seeking God, and he, this again, he is a loving and graceful God, and he always is seeking reconciliation, always, because he has so much for us. But we have to confess that we was in error, that we was in sin. And like I said before, there is no such thing as big sins or little sins. All sin is sin. When we don't pray, we don't read our word like we're supposed to, when we don't believe like we're supposed to, it is all sin. There is no such thing as big sin or little sin. Everything that does not line up with his word and doesn't do what we're supposed to do is a sin. So the best way to recover is to confess it. And then two, once you confess it, do like I did, like I was so thankful, I was so, so thankful that it didn't consume me. Because even if I had confessed it, and even if I said, you know what, I wasn't going to do it, I could have been in a worse situation. It could have consumed me to the point where we wouldn't have this conversation. 
I wouldn't be able to be a light and tell people that testimony so that they cannot make the same mistake. It could have consumed me. And then what I've decided, and as I was moving forward and as I was growing and as I was learning, is that I needed to be obedient to the word and to God. And that, and also, once you do that, you have to just separate yourself completely. You know, you have to separate yourself because at the end of the day, people, people don't care always. They don't. They want what's going to make them feel good. They want what's going to be the quick fix. And because, see, Satan knows this. We have become a microwave society, and we need quick fixes, and Satan knows that. So he uses that temptation and lies and manipulation, and he, you know, makes it, packages up real good. Because he does, he never wants us off track, on track at all. (laughs) Never. On track? Being in God's word, Mm-mm. no man, no sorry. He definitely does not want that. So he's going to do everything he can to make you go the opposite direction. Now, the book of Ezra just really goes into, like, what they had to do to get back on track. You know, when you look at, you know, Ezra's method and you read Ezra 10, um, 10 through 12, and it may seem to be extreme because basically it was like he basically told them, (laughs) you either give up these alliances, and I'm going to paraphrase it in good old 2019 terms, you either give up those people, turn away from them, leave everything that you built with them, you get your act together and act like you know who you are and who you are, we, you're not going to lose anything. He's going to restore you. But you act like you don't know and decide that you want to keep hanging out with your friends, you're going to lose it all. So basically, there was people who decided back then that, you know what, I don't know if I want to do that. So in essence, for those people who delayed in deciding that they were going to follow the word, they lost their property and they were banned. See, God desires for us to be quick to obey him. You know, we all know when we do wrong, you know, and you can't use the excuses. Like, I would use excuses like, well, yeah, I I knew, but I was doing it for a great reason, and I understand, you know, maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it, but my heart was in the right place. That's a good one. That's a good one. My heart is in the right place, and I don't understand why the consequences are so severe. I was only trying to help someone, not outside of his will, not outside of his will. Who are you helping? 
Who are you helping outside of God's will but yourself? Because you're not being a light. You're not helping. You're not showing how, you know, God can be, you know, can work things out. You're showing selfishness. And the sad thing is is that sometimes people look at when we go outside of God, they don't know that we're outside of God. So when they see the things manifesting and things happening and moving and, and doing it, they don't know that you're outside of God. So therefore, what has happened is that you brought them under false pretenses. And that's not good. Not good at all. Because now they've been, basically, is what I call bait switch. So you brought somebody into the fold and they think that they have to go through all these things to get to the same thing, not knowing that you was out of order. And I never want someone to come to God by me being out of order because that's devastating. That there is devastating. Now, we want to talk about another bad alliance in the Bible. Um, and I think this is probably just one of the saddest ones, if you can think about it. Um, it was seen with King Solomon, who, you know, in the beginning was maybe the wisest man, you know, to ever walk the earth. Yet his wrong associations began the cycle of destructive decisions that brought an entire nation to desolation. And if you want to read more on that, read First Kings 11. Because you just think about it, it's like through he... He said, don't, God said, don't marry this person. He decided to go marry him anyway, you know. And the thing was is that because he was misaligned, they turned their hearts away from God, you know. And therefore, their hearts wasn't in line with God, who was the perfect God. And then, too, he fell to idolatry. It was just like, okay, it's around me. Let's get it going. Because now he even became not only guilty by association, he became guilty by assimilating. Because instead of being, you know, what God called you to be, you now are, you know, trying to fit in with those that are around you. You know, and the sad part was because he was the head, the entire nation followed him. So, so let's think about it in that context. If he's been known as the wisest man, you know, the God who had kings from all around known the world at any time come to him for wisdom, you know, because of his wrong alliance to start building altars for the, you know, his wives, gods, what do you think the people going to do? Well, this is what, what we should be doing then. We should be doing what he's doing. And that is why we as believers do have to be careful about who we connect with. Because people are watching us. People are depending on us to be the light. 
I didn't understand how true that statement really is until maybe about three or four weeks ago. And I do some daily devotionals, and a minister that I had not spoken with in a while or had not seen in a while was like, oh, this was wonderful, Um, I enjoyed it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, whoa, okay. And it made me realize that people are watching no matter what you do. So what do you want them to see? when they see you. I want them to see Christ always, even through my ups and my downs, even sometimes if I fall, even sometimes if I feel weak or I'm, you know, feel like that I want to give them the, the, you know, just throw in the towel and just be done with it. I want people to see Christ, but I want them to see him authentically working within me. I don't want them to see the hustle and the shucking and the jiving for me to get from point A to point B. I don't want them to see that. I want them to see that I may have fallen, but I've gotten back up, and that God has blessed me in a way that has taken some time, but it's taken time in building a relationship with him and seeking him and doing the things that he needs me to do so that I can move forward in the purpose in which he has placed on my life. I never want them to think that this was easy. I never want someone to think that, you know, I just got it by slight of chance or because of luck. I never want anyone to think that. I want when they see me and they talk to me or they're in my presence to know that, yes, she may have had some hard childs. Yes, she may have gone through some things, but I can see how God has worked in her to get her to this point. And I know that I'm not there yet, but I can endure. I can move forward. I can build my relationship with God. I can do the things that I need to do and still be okay. I can make a mistake and get back up, and God is still going to love me and to help me grow and move in this purpose. That is what I want when someone sees me come in contact with me. Because being that light, being what God needs and wants me to be is of the utmost importance. So that means just because everybody else can do it doesn't mean I can. Because the appearance of it, if the appearance of it can make somebody turn away from him, I'm not going to do it. And this has been a journey. It's been a road, you know, to get here. I had to go through a few bad alliances. I had to go through some heartbreaks. I had to lose a lot. But now I'm at a point where I want to be an example, and so therefore I want people's encounter with me to always be a blessing. I don't want them to come away or take away from our, our meeting being drained. Because that can happen. You, can, you come in contact with someone and you're seeking their guidance and you're seeking their love and you come away feeling worse than what it ever was. 
also remember that when you create an alliance outside of God, you are affecting those that you lead. And many of you may say that I'm not a leader, but you are. Whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's in your day-to-day in your neighborhood, you're a leader. People look up to you. People respect you. You're a leader. We have to get away, get away from saying that we are not leaders and we are not, you know, what God called, you know, God only calls certain people. We are all called, all called to be leaders. Are there different levels? Of course. There are. But we're all called to be leaders. And so we can't come on with that, the thing like, oh, well, God just didn't call me. He did. But are you listening? Do you want to listen? Are you fighting it? You know, are you fighting it? And so let's talk about some scriptures specifically that talk about us being unequally yoked with others that we shouldn't be. And a bad alliance is just unequally yoking ourselves to someone that is not in the headspace or wherever God is leading us to be. Period. Second Corinthians six and fourteen and in the New King James Version it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what common communion has light with darkness. Basically, so many people use this to try to say, well, we shouldn't be around non-believers and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not what this is saying. This is saying it's just like oil and water. You don't try to put oil and water together and make it go. It's just like if you're married and you believe and he doesn't or she believes that, you know, she doesn't believe and he does, Y'all are never going to be at a common ground. Y'all are never going to be at a solid foundation because y'all are not on the same page ever. And therefore, that is a bad alliance. Because what can you build for the kingdom if your house is divided? You can't be of use to the kingdom because you're divided. Psalms 101.3, I will set before my eyes no veil, no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate, they will not cling to me. Basically, if you, these are like warnings, and if you don't heed them, mercy upon us and deliver us. God's people dealt 
you know, dwelt in peace and prosperity as long as they walked in the covenant. They were no longer, you know, they were no longer in the position to receive when they walked outside of the covenant. When they went into Satan's territory, it was just like, I ain't coming into the play. You ever had that one kid when you were coming up and you were all the outside? It's probably me. I was probably that one. And everyone is in the sandbox playing, and I would be the one that didn't want to be in the sandbox. Like, y'all going to have to come over here to play with me. That's what God is saying. He was like, since y'all want to play over there, y'all go over there and play. I'm staying right here. And when y'all finish and y'all want to come be on the right team, y'all come see me. So let us stay in the lane of faith and obedience. That's where the blessings flow. That's where he is just making sure that it happens. That's where he is building us up. That is where he is giving us the stronger foundation. That is where he's moving us to the next level. You know, also, I want you to have a close look at who you call close friends. Yes, because sometimes, you know, those bad alliances could just be your friendships. It could be the people who you say are your friends. One, do they bring you nearer to God or do they draw you away from God? Now, only you can answer that question. Only you can answer that question. But if you think about every time you're with this person or persons or people, is it always anxiety? Is it always frustration? Is it always you feel like you're missing out on something? Do you kind of feel a sense of you don't feel God when you're around them? And if you can answer to yes to any of those, because I've had to ask that question myself and I've had to say yes, that means God is like when you decide you want to be over here, I will be here waiting for you. In essence, he has left the building. He ain't gone too far. He has not gone too far, but he has left the building. Because he is not going to partake in the craziness. You know, if you think about it, only you can answer, I said that. Of course, be aware of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, you know, in 5 and 10. That you are in a world that is apart from God. Basically, so of course you're going to be among people who are not believers. But you surely know who carries the greater influence. Is it you or is it them? You know, and when I think about Jesus, you know, Jesus ate and drank with sinners, which is an incredibly beautiful depiction of his grace in action. However, I think you'll agree he was in full control of his spirit and flesh and held by far the greater degree of influence. You know, as especially as young believers, you know, those who are new in the faith, 
even those who've been established that may have, you know, said, you know, I'm got to take a step back or is coming back who's asking for restoration, it's, you know, definitely stay away from old places that once held, you know, a strong sway in your life. You know, maybe you can't go up to 16th and Vine or 5th and Vine. I'm from Philly, so, you know, Broad and Erie, Germantown and Westmoreland. You, you may not can hit those corners again. You may not can be at the club anymore. You may, you may not can't, can have that hanging. You, you, you know, you can't because it used to have a stronghold on you. So, therefore, you have to stay away from those things. Now, you're foolish if you keep going back to those places. Now, and whether you have years of faith under your belt or not, sometimes you just, some things you just need to let things alone. But, you know, for most people, once they've had many years of, you know, faith and, you know, walking with Jesus and learning to listen, you know, (laughs) you can do these things. But, again, being in the wrong alliance, being with the wrong crowd, being with the wrong people, being in the wrong situation is outside of God. It's outside of God. And we don't want you to suffer that devastating blow of not feeling his love and feeling his grace and feeling his mercy. I can personally tell you that it is a cold feeling. It's a feeling that is hard to describe. But it's such, there's points in my life that I felt alone and that, you know, I didn't think no one cared or wanted me around. But this is different. This was utterly different. You know, I knew God loved me. I knew he was protecting me. But I couldn't feel him. And it wasn't because he wasn't there. I couldn't feel him because I had pushed him so far away because I was trying to keep up an image and keep up a facade and to keep a connection that wasn't ordained by him. And I could not reconcile the fact that he could not be in the midst of it, but that he was still waiting patiently for me to make up my mind to do what I needed to do to reconcile myself back to him. So once I did, it was like, okay, woo. It was like light, brightness, and weights were lifted. And when you say that and you think about it, it's just like, okay, he is here. He was here, but he couldn't be a part of the crazy. He couldn't be a part of the mess. And Satan knows it. So he is going to always perpetuate that craziness. He's always going to, you know, get into the slimy, slickest part of you that's going to say, listen, you know, God, look what you can do if you partner with this person. 
It's going to be for the kingdom. Because remember, he knows the Bible too. He knows the talk too. He's going to say it's going to be for the kingdom. It's going to be for the building of the kingdom. So, yes, you should partner with this person, and yes, you should do this. Or, well, no, yes, they may have a rocky path, but they're known for getting stuff done. And you don't have a lot of time because, you know, God told you to do this. So what you're going to do, just sit and wait when you can get a jump start at getting it done? And, and he uses another one that I think is great. So you're just going to let that opportunity pass by? Mm-mm-mm, that's a sad shame. Look at how you're going to disappoint God. He had a perfect opportunity for you, but you're just going to just let that go. <laughs> he is good at his craft. He is good. He is always on point with it. So. Walk in the way of godly people. Purge yourself of the bad alliances. Seek him to reconcile because he will reconcile you. Stay in a path where his light shines bright. You know, there are legions, the enemies out there trying to seduce you to do something that is counterproductive and outside of the will of God. You know, they're always looking to, they don't sleep, they don't eat. They're undying and unwielding in their seeking ability to be able to try to get you to do something you should not do. You know, they're very good at their assignments, which are to do as the Bible defines, to seduce you and take you away from the wisdom of God. The enemy works through unassuming people, unassuming situations to draw you away from the promised land. Do not let it happen. Don't let it happen. Because when you let it happen, Satan is just sitting there just laughing. He's laughing because it's just like, <laughs> I got another one to do what I needed her to do. I got another one to do something different outside of God. See, I told him, I, I told God he was he wasn't going he wasn't all together. I knew he was going he was going like this opportunity to live. Do not, I repeat, do not let it happen. You have to guard your heart, renew your mind, and walk in the way of faith. I'm going to say that again. You have to guard your heart, renew your mind, and walk in the way of faith. So definitely that concludes our series the Art of Distraction. I want to thank you for listening to the Moon Tashi Radio Show this evening. I want you to come on over to Facebook and join our page. Um, just search for Moving Past You. You have to join the page or the group. You can get access to awesome conversations, bonus notes, events, 
whatever we're doing, come on over. And also you can um, find us on Praise Orlando, um, Global Media, or Healing Keys Radio. So come over to any of those pages, and if you don't hear me, you'll hear others who are out there spreading the word and spreading the gospel. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Just search for Moving Past You, and you can always find us. And always 